Well, we're going to talk about this topic right here as we unpack chapter 6. The easiest way to live. This is the easiest way. Now, you can make it difficult. You can make it hard. Um, you, you can just really drive yourself crazy, stress yourself out. But this is the easiest way. All right, so we're going to unpack about four or five different thoughts. Uh, but if you want to kind of go to the end mentally and work your way backwards, I'll tell you the whole sermon in four words. Are you ready? It's authority, arguments, fun, and faith. Authority, arguments, fun, and faith. Authority, arguments, fun, and faith. One, two, three. Authority, arguments, Let's try that again. One, two, three. All right, everybody now. One, two, three. If we can figure those four things out, life just got a lot easier. Authority, arguments, fun, and faith. We're always under authority. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. You're under the authority of the stock bro, uh, shareholders. Doesn't matter. Um, if you're a husband, you're under the authority of your wife. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't email me tomorrow. I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. Um, but it, all of us are under authority. We got to know how to be under authority. Uh, we got to know how to handle arguments. There is going to be there, there's going to be opportunity for arguments. Uh, I remember when I was getting into the ministry, I told the pastor that I was sitting under us, like I don't know that I want to be in the ministry because people get mad at me a lot. And he goes, Frankie, it doesn't matter where you are, people are going to get mad at you a lot. I was like, okay, okay. Got it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, authority, arguments, and fun. You got to understand how to dial that in. It's not as easy as it sounds. When you're young, you can have fun with a stick and a ball. You get older, it's a skill. How many people know adults that don't know how to have fun? Go ahead. Raise your hand. Don't point at them now. Don't point at them. Just like, you don't know how to have fun, sir. You don't know how to have fun, ma'am. If you smile, your whole face is just going to hurt. It's just going to, ah, don't do that. Ah, oh, that hurt. Ah. Do you ever want to ask somebody, if you smile, will your face hurt? If you ever ask somebody, you, got, you can't say your, you got to say yo. If you smile, does your face hurt? Your face going to hurt if you smile? Just grumpy. And then faith. That we we got to know how to dial that in. So let's unpack it. Here we go. Verse 6 of chapter 6, verse Timothy, reads like this. All slaves, I'm going to come back to that word in a second, but all slaves should show respect for their masters. So they will not bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. If the masters are believers... That is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers 
who are well loved. If you're, uh, if you have a a, a a Bible that has paper in it, because I know some of you have your iPhone or your iPad, and that's awesome. But if you can write, or if you're taking notes, circle the word slaves and circle the word masters, because that's not really apropos to uh, Western civilization. Um, in, in in ancient days. Uh, it was very common to have slaves. Uh, in, in our world, you can take slaves out and you can put in employees. And uh, you can take masters out and you can put in bosses and owners. Um, you can put in uh, anything that represents authority. And so what this scripture is saying is anyone who has authority over you, honor them. Anyone that has authority over you, it doesn't mean that you have to agree and believe with everything that they agree and believe with, but you have to honor them. How many people realize that you can disagree, but still hold them in honor? All right. Now, I'm going to hit a sensitive subject for some of you. For others, this isn't sensitive at all. But the president of the United States leads our country. If you didn't vote for him, that's irrelevant. If I didn't vote for him, if I did vote for him, I'm trying to say this to where y'all don't know who I voted for. That's the only way I can get this point across and let it be palatable. The, The bottom line is, is that it doesn't matter whether you agree with the president or you don't agree with the president, what the Bible is saying is that we should honor him. Honor him. Your boss, he might be a jerk. She might be a jerk. It's really irrelevant. We need to honor them. Now, let's unpack this. Why should we honor them? Why? Especially if they don't deserve it. All right? Why, Why should we? Uh, it's very difficult to honor people who are jerks. I don't know if you've ever worked for a jerk. Maybe you're working for a jerk right now. It's very difficult to honor jerks. It's irrelevant whether we agree with them or not. Now, I'm talking to me too. I'm not, I'm not talking at you. I'm talking to us. All right? I'm Italian. I'm, I'm half Brazilian, half Italian. You put that together and you just... Man... You got to have Jesus in a lot of them. (laughs) A lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of them. Um, Because I I find myself in situations all the time where people are my authority all the time. Um, I I was running the clock, doing the scoreboard for my son's football game again last Saturday. And I messed up the time. And the coach on the other end of the field started yelling at me in front of everybody. I had, we were winning by one touchdown, and his team, the opposing team, was on the five-yard line trying to score. And there was 55.5 seconds left on the clock. Well, they said, down, set, hike. I hit start. But it's what they call a no play, which means the kid that said hike didn't hike the ball. And so they're trying to get our kids to go off sides, which our kids did do. These kids are eight, okay? So the, the kid goes down, set, hike. Well, when that ball moves, I'm supposed to hit start. 
Well, he said, hike, and I fell for it. <laughs> right? He said, hike, I went, bam. And then I went, oh, no. Ah! And I was so mad at that little eight-year-old. <laughs> About to go lift him up by his face mask. And from across the field, the guy yelled at me. He goes, stop the clock. And I felt this sweat build up on my back. My head got red. Everybody's looking at me. That whole side of the field's yelling at me. I got all nervous and sweaty. People are looking at me. Hundreds of, literally hundreds of people are looking at me. It went down by 0.5 seconds. I wanted to take that thing and throw it at them. It's a remote control thing. I wanted to say, you take the clock, you country bumpkin looking, I don't know. I just wanted to go nuts. But in his arena, in that, in that sphere, he's King Tut. He's boss. I'm like, yes, sir. I'm poking your tires, but yes, sir. I mean, all of us find ourselves in these situations where you step in one arena and you may be the leader. You step into another arena and you're not the leader. You step into another arena and you are the leader. And vice versa. At your home, you're the leader. You step into someone else's home, they're the leader. How do you respond to that? It's very important that we respond well because in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, it says this. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. You know, when, when people ask me about President Obama, man, I go silent. I go silent because I know it's like walking a thin line. I just go silent. Here's the thing, whether you agree with them or not agree with them, it doesn't matter whether or not you honor them. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> Let me say this in, in uh, a verse, uh, not verse, it's, it's the next uh, point, a sub point. Respect breeds respect. Everyone who respects people are respected. Uh, I was out to lunch with a, a community leader, and he was just ripping another community leader. He didn't just tearing him up. And I'm sitting at lunch, and, and my respect for him went down listening to him rip this other guy. That's right. Amen. Have you ever noticed that? When you hear one person talking bad about another person, and you know what? I didn't even know that guy. But he's just ripping him to shreds. And I'm looking, and I'm like, man... I, it's not that I think less of him because of what you're telling me, because I don't know if what you're saying is true. I actually think less of you. Have you ever been there before? So you're listening to somebody rip somebody, and, and you think less of that person. Have you ever had one neighbor talk bad about another neighbor? Or, or your brother talk bad about your father? Or your sister talk bad about your something? It's not the other person that we look down on, it's that person. Let's keep that in mind. And that's what the scripture is saying here. He's saying, hey, it doesn't matter who we're talking about, it doesn't matter who we're looking at, make sure you hold them in honor. Now this is a big deal because this is an easier way to live. By the time we get to the end of this message, we will have talked about authority, arguments, fun, and faith. And when you get these things down, it leads to just an easier life.
How does respecting others make your life easier? Isn't it easier when people respect you and honor you? Doesn't that make life easier when people talk to you with respect and talk to you with honor? Doesn't it make it easier? Here's the, uh, the next one, a point that we want to unpack. Verse number four. Anyone who teaches something different than the scriptures is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicion. So number two is arguments. Beware of those who argue. I think everyone has one person in their family that if that one person didn't show up to Thanksgiving, everything would be just fine. <laughs> you know, everybody has that one person that is just like, well, if they don't come, that's okay. That's okay. That's all right. It, there's always, and maybe it's not in our family, maybe it's in your circle. I don't know that there's just always somebody. Does somebody come to mind? Raise your hand if somebody comes to mind. If you're sitting next to them, you don't participate, okay? <laughs> Raise your hand if somebody comes to mind when I say it, that. Some people are just argumentative. Raise your hand if somebody comes to mind. Go ahead, raise your hand real high. Wave it at me so I can see who I'm looking at. Just argumentative. If, if you don't know anybody who's argumentative, you might be the one. And if you're sitting there going, no, I'm not. Whoa. argumentative you know who are these people these people are people that always seem to have a different opinion about something the best arguers are people that argue with a righteous flag you ever notice that They, they wave a righteous flag while they're arguing that they are somehow just a little bit more right and a little bit more holy. And so it's very hard to call them out on it because they're waving a righteous flag. Here's, let me show, let me give you a, um, raise your hand if you know, uh, you, you've ever heard Joel Osteen speak or you know who Joel Osteen is. Raise your hand because I don't want to use an example. Okay. All right, let me show you, let me show you a, a, a righteous argument, okay? And you tell me what you feel in your stomach when, when I say this. Joel Osteen is a great motivational speaker. It's awesome what he does. But for me personally, I just, whenever I preach, I like to focus on the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Amen. Do you see what I did just then? So I didn't say anything bad about Joel. I just drew a contrast. Joel's a good motivational speaker. But whenever I speak, I like to focus on the scriptures. Do you see what I did just then? In a real subtle, holy way, I just kind of made myself 
look a little bit more holy than him without saying anything bad. You see how that happened? So now that's drawn a contrast. It's called drawing a contrast. And it's obvious that the side of the line that I'm on just happens to be a little bit more holy. Now, if you don't know, I used to work for Joel and I love Joel and I think that he walks on water. So don't judge me because I love the guy. I was just using him as an example. But do you see how I did that? When you draw a contrast and you just happen to look a little bit better than the other half. Yeah, that church down the street, it's an awesome church. It's a really cool church. But our church, what we try to do is we just try to focus on the Word of God and worshiping Jesus. Ah, okay. So let's just be real careful of that. Arguing. Number three is fun. This is important. We got to know how to have fun, all right? Yet true godliness with contentment, everybody say contentment, is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. What did you bring into this world when you were born? Let me tell you what you brought, an umbilical cord and a cry. All right, that's, that's all you brought. That's all I brought. We brought a big cry and an umbilical cord. That's all we brought. And we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Let us be content. Contentment is a very interesting word because this means that we are going to be happy and learn to have fun in our life. Now, it's very difficult to have fun when we have the sickness of more. More always wants more. And this is the, the trouble that we run into. I will be content. I can remember uh, working at Carabas in, in um, uh, Beaumont, Texas. Anyone here have wait tables? You wait tables? Anyone here wait tables? I love waiting tables. My gosh. Um, but uh, I remember thinking, if I can just make $16,000 a year, I will never want again. I will never want again if I can just make $16,000 a year. And then it was 20, I just need 20. And then it was 25. You guys know where I'm going with this. It, there is always going to be something in life that is constantly pulling at us. We need to be a person that knows how to be content. Do we know how to be content? Do we know how to be content? You know, I, I graduated uh, Bible college um, and I obviously I graduated high school and I look at my, uh, my peers, some of those guys in high school, they are literally like millionaires right now. I'm thinking of one guy right now. He'll never work again for the rest of his life. He graduated like two years after me. Self-made, never work again for the rest of his life. And I'm just like, wow. I, I, I look around all the time. I mean, if you're taking notes, write this down. Comparison is poisonous. 
Comparison is poisonous. If you're married, you will look at somebody and think, man, she's prettier than my wife or he's better looking than my husband. Comparison is poisonous. Here's the reason why it's poisonous. Because if you compare up, you get discouraged. If you compare down, you get arrogant. So either way, it's poisonous. You get discouraged, you get down. You look up. Uh, You know, I went to Guatemala. I felt like Donald Trump. I was like, man, I'm the richest guy in like 50 miles. Why was I the richest guy within 50 miles? Because I'm standing on a mountain and these people are living in huts. I come back home and (laughs) it's like, oh, wow. I think I want to go back to Guatemala. It's who you're comparing yourself to. It's all relative. We've got to figure out how to be content. We've got to figure that out. If I were to put a, take a, a litmus test to find out how happy are you, how content are you, where would you be on a scale 1 to 10? So don't answer, but I want you to answer in your head. You don't have to answer out loud. 10 is you are completely content with your life. One is you're completely miserable. Where are you at? Put yourself somewhere. You can't, you, you can't give yourself a five. <laughs> All right? Close your eyes, everyone. Close your eyes. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Raise your hand if you, put you, if you gave yourself more than a five. Raise your hand if you gave yourself less than a five almost right down the middle you guys can open your eyes it's it's a it's a contentment contentment it's it's very difficult here's a few thoughts to be content number one is to be grateful to be grateful you know when i get up in the morning to pray i always spend the first few minutes just saying thank you for things just saying thank you for things if you're not in the hospital You've got a great life. Did you hear me? If you have your health, you are rich. If you're not in the hospital, you've got a great life. Some of you might have just said, I think you just said that I did. It just takes, have you, has anyone here ever gotten sick or been in the hospital or something and the thought crossed your mind wow I forgot how fragile I am is that come on wave at me man I forgot how fragile I am jeez I I forgot I, I, I thought I was a machine there for a little while just to just to say thank you God thank you God thank you thank you God to be grateful. To be grateful. Number two was recognize comparison as poisonous. I, I gave that thought to you already. I'm not going to circle back around that wagon. Number three, realize where you'd be if you lost everything. I know we need more. I know we're looking to be blessed. I know we're, we have certain wants, needs, or desires. But take what you have in your mind and take it away. take it away 
So I don't have anything. Well, take away what you do have in your head. Just go ahead and take it away. Take away. Just just imagine. This is a terrible thing to say, but just take it away. But you're you're. I've I got a friend of mine. He was following his sister, his brother, and all their kids were in the car. He was following them out on I ten, and right in front of him, he saw them get into a wreck, and every single one of them died. Right in front of him, he pulled over. Didn't know which one to help. They were all dead. Let me just tell you. Start taking things away. That will make you grateful right away. That will make you, that will immediately, it will immediately cause you to say, wow, I've got a pretty great life. I've got a great life. Immediately. This is contentment. This is contentment. Here's another thought. Number four, I I don't want to take away desire. It's like, you know, contentment doesn't mean take desire away from you. But set a strategy to reach your goals. Set a strategy for it. If you're marching towards it, you can still be content and march at the same time if you have a strategy. You know what phase you're in. Well, I'm in the building phase. Uh, my brother Nathan uh, lives the life of Riley. He's, uh, he's, he's single and he just goes on trips all the time. And, and recently he went to Paris by himself. I'm like, you're such a cool stud. I'm like, you went to Paris by yourself? He was like, yeah. Went to the Eiffel Tower, sat there by myself. You know what's cool about that? Is his wife just left him like two years ago. And he took it really, really, really bad. But he's gotten so healthy that he's looking at things in life saying, I don't have to have somebody to experience what I've always wanted to experience. He went to the Eiffel Tower, got himself a a bottle of wine, and sat there like he was King Tut. (laughs) I'm like, you are such a stud taking selfies of himself. (laughs) And I'm just like, man, way to get back on that horse. I don't know, man. Just boom. Well, somewhere along the line, he was talking to this couple and he he was telling me over the phone, he goes, the guy was old enough to be my dad. I could tell he was successful and I just wanted to talk to him, see if I could learn anything. And, uh, and so the guy asked him, he goes, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And, and so Nathan said, you know, I, I, I don't know. He goes, what do you want to do with your life? And, and what is it that you want to do that, that you're too afraid to tell anybody? That's a good question, isn't it? You're too afraid to tell anyone because they might laugh. And so my brother went, I, I'd like to own my own business. And he told me that, and I started laughing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he goes, I'd like to own my own business. He goes, well, what kind of business do you want to own? And, and my brother said, uh, um, I, I don't know. He goes, well, you need to be working towards that. Every day of your life, you need to be working towards that. He goes, but I don't know where, where that is. He goes, then every day of your life, you need to be thinking about that. Until you figure out what it is. I said, all right. Man, he got all pumped up. It was the best trip to Paris he could ever have dreamed about. 
He's, he's ready to go. He's got a strategy in his mind. He's working on his strategy. You can be contentment and have you can have you can be content and have a strategy at the same time. Um, number five, and this is my favorite one of all of them, is to cultivate a treasure that is beyond this world. You know, uh, when I walk down Market Street or I'm downtown with my wife and, and I see a guy with a Ferrari, I'm like, man, that's a sweet car. But I think to myself, I got something better than a sweet car that I've been investing into. It's waiting on me. I don't know what it is, but it's waiting on me. It's waiting on me. I, this isn't where this isn't where I cash in. This might be where he cashes in, but this isn't where I cash in. This isn't this isn't my end game here, right? I'm I'm not in the end zone. He might be in the end zone. This is as good as it gets for him. This this isn't my end zone. Let me just tell you, this isn't your end zone either. Right, you're cooking it. You're investing into it. Every time you pray, every time you worship, every time, every time you go to church, you're investing into something that's way bigger than this world. You're big, it's bigger than this world. It's, 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 it's supernatural. You're investing into to this, this place that you're going. It's almost like if I told you every time you do this particular task, a thousand dollars gets in, uh, sent to to no. Let's say make it ten thousand. Ten thousand dollars every time you do this particular task, and uh, it, it goes to build this mansion on Highway One in California. And and in ten years from today, if you keep doing this, there, someone's building you this mansion on Highway One in California. And this task is a very simple task, but you just got to make sure you do it every day. Well. You look down the street and somebody has a real nice house. You're like, hey, it doesn't matter because my house is, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It's about 10 years away. It's about nine years away. It's about seven years. Yeah, I'm happy you have a house, but I got a house too. It's about, it's about seven years away. I've been working on it. I'm working on it. I'm shipping it. I'm shipping stuff over there. The other thing is this, is, is not only looking at eternity like that's beautiful, but I'm at a different place in my life. See, there's a particular scripture that rocks my world. It says, if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. So for me, I'm wondering how close can we get? If you promise to come close to me every time I draw close to you, how close are we going to get? Because I'm going to start drawing close to you. I've been drawing close to you every single day. Every single morning I wake up. I'm up before the sun comes up. And I'm crying out to the Lord. Because you're almost daring me. You're telling me. You're going to come close. Every time I take a step. You're going to take a step. Well what happens if I take five? Are you gonna, I, yeah, you're going to take five too. Well how close are we going to get? And what's that world going to feel like? What's it going to feel like to be that close to God? What's it going to feel like? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm on an exploration. So when I see people that have things that I don't have, I'm thinking in, my, in the back of my mind, that's not what I want most. That's not what I want most. I'm, 
I'm working on something every single morning that I wake up. I'm working on something every time I go to sleep at night. When I close my eyes, and I hope you adopt this, when I close my eyes, I imagine I'm laying my head, not on a pillow, but on his lap. And I'm just saying, God, just put me to sleep. Just, just take, a, just take your, your, your spirit and just drop it on me right now, just like my covers are on me, just like my covers are on me, just like right now. I fall asleep in his presence. Start thinking about his presence. So when I see something that's, that somebody has that I don't have, that's not what I want most anyway. I mean, that's awesome. I love to take it for a test drive, but that's it. My whole life isn't, isn't wrapped around that. Are you with me? That, that's, that's when contentment really starts kicking in, when you're wanting something that this world can't offer you. Shout me down, girl. Come on. Here's the last point, number four. Verse 12. Fight the good fight for faith, for true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. This is fight, to fight the good fight of faith. What does fight look like? When, when it says fight the good fight of faith, what, what are we saying here? What, what does that from a very practical level look like? To fight the good fight of faith. That's such an interesting choice of words, isn't it? I want you to fight for faith. It begs the question, what are we fighting What are we fighting for? What is the fight about? Well, let's define what faith is. Faith is being sure of what you're hoping for. So clearly being sure of what you're hoping for is not that easy. (laughs) To be certain of what you cannot see. Clearly That's not very easy. It's not easy to believe in something that you can't see. You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can listen to somebody's speech. You know, if if people attend church 52 Sundays out of 52 Sundays but their language is horrible their heart is somewhere where their body isn't your body might be in the presence of God but your heart is not your heart is not you might be in church but you're not close to the Lord you're, you're faking everybody out. You're, you're, you're building a facade. You're making us think something that's not true, and we can tell by listening to your heart. Do you know your heart talks? Wrap your head around that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how do you fight the good fight of faith? 
whatever you're trying to believe in. Hear me say that. Whatever you're trying to believe in. You're fighting to believe in it. To be more sure. To be more sure. To be more sure. To be more sure. I'm going to fight to be more sure. So you might be this sure right now, but because you're fighting, now you're this sure. And now you're this sure. You're fighting for that. Is that easy? No. That's why the Bible says fight for that. Now, how do you fight for that? Every single time, every single time you worship, you're throwing a blow. Okay? Every time you pray, whether it's one sentence or for one minute or, for, or it's praying for an hour, you're throwing a blow. So you're worshiping, you're praying. Every time you're nice to somebody when they don't deserve it. Every time somebody wants to argue with you and you're backing off. Every time you're choosing not to look at something that, that you know your body wants to look at, but the Lord doesn't want you to look at it, you're throwing a punch. You're fighting. You're fighting. You're fighting. You're worshiping. You're praying. You're sacrificing. This is the fight. This is the fight. How do you fight? You're choosing to do things. To cultivate. And every time you throw a punch, the enemy gets weaker and you get stronger. What is the enemy? The enemy is doubt. You're you're fighting. The good fight. It's a good fight. Man, Marcos Witt taught a, a message about the good fight of faith. Here, get ready to write this down. It was really, really good. There's something about the fight, the fight of faith. Number one is it's a good fight. Some fights are not good fights. Some fights are bad fights. They're not worth fighting about. But the fight for faith, it's a good fight. Number two, it's a long fight. It's a good time to say amen. It's a long fight. Tell Marcos I stole his sermon. It's a long fight. If I ever steal it again, I'm not giving them credit, though. It's a long fight. How many people here, you know it's a long fight? Number three, it's a victorious fight. It's a good fight. It's a long fight. But it's a victorious fight. It's worth fighting for. 